Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to Dungeon of Doom. I am Kyle Meinke, Lions beat writer for MLive, joined as always by Ben Raven, rocking the, uh, I don't know, big ass beard, the, the, the beanie. Uh, Carhartt sponsored. Yeah, rocking the Carhartt. Uh, winter football is here, Ben, uh, with a trip on deck to Chicago. Um, I'm not sure if you've looked at the forecast for Sunday, but... Mm. Bring your parka. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've been asking. I feel like I've been a weather reporter again. Like I've been Mark Torregrossa's right hand man again, asking about the weather so much. But yeah, it's yeah. going to be cold. It's going to be windy, and it's going to rain all day Friday and Saturday. It, it's an interesting dynamic because you know, Lions are nine and three. They've played really well. The, you know, the the best part of their game. You know, as far as good as the run has been, like you know, when they're at their best, when Amon Ross St. Brown is doing his thing, Sam Laporta, the record setting tight end. You know. But in these conditions, I do wonder about, you know, Jared Goff. And we'll get into some of this stuff uh, as we dive into the mailbag um, later in the episode, Ben. But what are your feelings going into this game and the Lions' chances against Chicago, which took, I mean, they gave a, Detroit a pretty good shot just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I, you'd love to see Alex Anzalone back out there because not having Ali McNeil and Anzalone would be a pretty big deal against this Bears team and Justin Fields. I mean, just look to the game that was not even three weeks ago against the Bears. Anzalone had 15 tackles, a career high, the busiest game of his career. And he was a large part in kind of bottling that offense up when they needed it the most. So I'm a little concerned about the defense and not the way that I've been concerned about them in recent weeks because it's a matchup with the Bears and you hope they're able to handle that passing task. But I'm worried about the run defense because McNeil has not just been a good story this year. He hasn't just been a little better this year. He is consistently ranked inside the top 10 on pro football focus, just about any metric you can get for interior defenders. And I mean, he that that's a big, big deal, especially with considering what's behind him. And he's got five sacks from the interior, exactly. which, I mean, I, we could look it up. That's got to be the most, probably since Dominican Sue from an interior defender in Detroit. Maybe I'm forgetting somebody, but the interior, to me. yeah, no, the interior rush has been a, a real problem. The interior in general has been a problem, but particularly getting to the quarterback and um, Ali McNeil dropping, was it 25 pounds or something? He He's looked like a totally different, more explosive player. I, I never actually did the story, Ben, but there was a week in training camp where I was asking some of the offensive linemen for their read on the defensive lineman, kind of an open-ended question, mm-hmm. you know, if anyone was standing out. And the thing I heard from multiple guys was Ali McNeil's get-off speed, yeah, his explosiveness off the ball. 
And I think that's something that we're seeing. And he's been great against the run. You know, the Lions do have a very good run defense this year, and that has held up even amid some of their struggles. But in the you know in the pass rush, the Lions have not gotten enough, particularly from the edge. Aleem has been their guy in the interior, and he's really affected um, passing games from that spot. And I have deep concerns at a time when they're struggling to get production out of anyone on the edge that's not named Aiden Hutchinson. They got a sack from Bruce Irvin, but now he's battling an ankle uh, this week, didn't practice on Wednesday. Um, some concerns, some concerns, Ben. Um, and Aleem's been their guy, and and, yeah. and now yeah, he's down for at least four weeks. I, I know there's hope they mix it back to the playoffs, but I think that's going to be a big loss for this already struggling defense. Yeah, a knee sprain is what NFL Network was reporting. And, you know, I asked Aiden Hutchinson because it was Hutchinson's knee that McNeil banged in the backfield and initially hurt, and Hutchinson didn't even feel it. He's like, I found out after the game that it was my knee that took him down. But just, yeah, that's a big deal, man, and they're going to need – you don't even know who it's going to be because it's been such a rotating list of healthy scratches this year. We feel like we have an idea of who it's going to be, but like, yeah, McNeil, I mean, he's second on the team in pressures. Hutchinson's got more than double of anyone else. That's a massive loss across the board. dive into the mailbag shall we some guys got some good questions this week uh, as always those questions could be sent via subtext our insider text program uh for information on how to sign up and a free trial it's on any line story and i'm live just go to a, a story go to the bottom and you'll see promotions there for how to sign up and get these questions in we've got some very good ones uh this week david qualls is up first <laughs> game at us <laughs> yeah <laughs> david wants to know and I, and I chose this one first, Ben, because I'm I'm big on co- accountability for you okay. and I. You know, we talk about um, you know what we see and analyze what we see, and I think we're right a lot of times, and sometimes we're wrong. I think the Jared Goff is a great example of that. You and I were pretty down on him in his first <laughs> camp here, and and now look at him. But yeah, in that in that spirit, Ben, David wants to know. Five weeks ago, Ben and Kyle stated that Brad Holmes did not drop the ball at the trade deadline by adding. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones and not getting any defensive help. Five weeks later, DPJ has as many catches as me, Ben, and Kyle combined. <laughs> Fact check, true. And the defense ranks in the bottom five since the bye. We'll re-ask this question. Did Brad Holmes drop the ball at the trade deadline? I, I do remember saying that I think that they might regret not getting yes. somebody, but also the them not giving up significant resources to go get something for the now also kind of fit their vision and what they've always been about their window for competitiveness is just opening um and they're not pushing their chips into the middle all in this year they want to win this year but they're not going to sacrifice future competitiveness for that kind of thing and so it didn't surprise me that they forewent a defensive addition at the deadline um but clearly it looks like they're probably um Ruin that decision, Ben. What's your take on you know what we said before and how the Lions have played since the the de- the deadline? Oh, yeah, I had my appetizer crow in my post game video on Sunday after the Saints game. I I definitely ate some of it there, and yeah, I, I you know you can look at it. You know we've had to adjust the way we look at this team and like where they are in terms of being a contender or not a contender. So I think that maybe the ball. I will just say it. Yeah, the ball was dropped. You know this this was a contender team that clearly needed help at pass rush, that clearly needed help at cornerback, and. Yeah, you don't want to give up a bunch of future investments and or picks or anything like that for a guy that might even might only be here for five or six games. I get that, but you do look at the way teams are attacking this defense, and it's pretty easily to see that, yeah, another cornerback would have helped. I've said it a million times right now. I think Jerry Jacobs fits this defense, but he should not be an every down snap cornerback. 
that's a big hole. And the two guys that they added to fill those holes are hurt and nowhere to be seen. So yeah, yeah, it's safe to say the ball was dropped. This is a team that's a contender. You look at the 49ers, they added a defensive piece. You look at the Eagles, they added a defensive piece. That is what the NFC contenders do. And that is kind of what is holding the Lions back from being taken seriously in that top two or three, I think, in the NFC, because there are some real defensive holes and they're filling them with 36-year-olds off the street. <laughs> <laughs> Says a lot, too. That you got Isaiah Bugs, uh, help, you know, healthy scratch past couple weeks. You know, Broderick Martin, I think, has played one game this year. Yep. Um, like Levi Anzarike has played only a handful of games, and yet they're going out and and getting guys to play defensive tackle that are as old as me. And believe me, that's very, very old. <laughs> um the, the 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 point I want to make is, you know, it's not like you can just say, okay, we need a corner or we need a edge rusher, so let's make a trade. Like you need a trade partner and you need to arrive at a price that's sensible. Mm-hmm. And so and we don't know. I mean, they they certainly made calls going into the deadline. We don't know what teams were asking for for pieces that would have been upgrades. Um, that's a variable we just don't know. But the bottom line is this is a team that can win an offense. It's also a team that I think yeah. its its ceiling is capped in a conference that has teams like San Francisco, like Philadelphia. When you run into teams like that, you're going to get beat because you're not a whole team. You have a really good offense and you have a defense that plays good ball against teams that are overmatched talent-wise, but really struggles mm-hmm. otherwise. And we've seen that. Um, frequently, I think too frequently, not to be concerned. I, I, everyone lays a, a you know a turd yeah. <laughs> every once in a while. <laughs> you know, Lamar Jackson's going to go off sometime. That, I mean, that, yeah. that's that's going to happen. But the Lions have gotten their their butts kicked too many times this year for me to say uh, that was just a bad game. I think this defense is going to be okay. They do have five weeks to clean it up. I just don't see them closing the gap, particularly at a corner. You mentioned. I, I could totally agree with you. It, if they had one more top level corner. And you had Jerry Jacobs in a three-type role. You, that secondary would look very different. And listen, they signed that guy, but Emmanuel Mosley played two snaps before he tore the other ACL. Yeah. And so, yeah, they're in a tough spot. And I think this is a very good team, but very good doesn't usually go to the Super Bowl. And I think that at this point, the Lions are going to win their division. I think they can compete you know, in a playoff game. I think ultimately they don't have the pieces they need to reach the Super Bowl. And that could have been had at the deadline. Although, again, you know, if you're asking for multiple first rounders or something like that, I can understand the reticence mm-hmm. to pull the trigger. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And we don't know what those conversations were exactly like that. I mean, you look around the league, and there were some interesting trades. I mean, third and second round picks flying around. You understand why Brad Holmes doesn't really want to do away with those. But yeah, this this offense is good enough to win a playoff game. But right now, this defense seems like it's going to be the one that ends the season. John A uh, wants to know. This may be over, overly simplistic, but why don't we sign a practice squad level QB who is mobile so that the team has something to practice against? Every time we play a team with a mobile QB, it's like they have no idea how to defend against him. And by the way, Justin Fields is quite mobile and is yeah. on tap and already has shredded the Lions basically every time uh, he's started against them. So, you know, Ben, I, I hear the the concern in the question. I think it's valid. Mobile QBs have had their ways with this defense. Um I will add that, you know, Hennon Hooker is practicing now. And from what I've heard, uh, Hennon Hooker is playing the Justin Fields role in practice week uh, this week. And certainly that's a better solution than, you know, um, David Blau or (laughs) even Teddy Bridgewater. Um, You know, Hennon Hooker was pretty mobile at uh, Tennessee and he is coming off the ACL, but it seems to me he's moving pretty well in practice and certainly has more athleticism uh, than those other guys. And so I think he... 
um, will likely give this defense a better look this week, a better Justin Fields look than what they've had previously. Yeah, and Mark Brunel kind of hinted at that yesterday when we spoke with him and said, I mean, he, he was pretty tongue-in-cheek yesterday for Mark Brunel, but like he was like, you know, Hendon's going to be a little bit better version of Justin Fields than Teddy is. So help is on the way in that department. I you know, We've been talking about this for like three years for sure. I mean, I think it was Fields went off for more than 300 rushing yards on this team in two games last season. So it's it's definitely a problem, but I do think practice help is on the way with a healthier and more able Hendon Hooker to I mean, he's got a chance to really help that defense in practice with some of those mobile read option, quick fire looks that he was known for at Tennessee. Let's stick with the uh, head and hooker topic for a moment. Uh, Raymond Nuznoff wants to know, what should Lions fans expect from head and hooker in 2023, 2024 and 2025? Are they grooming him to be the starter like Jordan Love or just a solid backup? Also, does hooker's age matter? Age always matters for every team. It matters particularly for a team like Detroit. I mean, you look at you know, the 20-year-old offensive tackle they took uh, in 2021, yeah. uh, Penny pretty pretty good player. Right. And it's <laughs> crazy to think Sewell is still only 23 and the number one offensive tackle in football per, per <laughs> pro football focus. So, yeah, age matters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's 25. Um, but clearly, they're grooming him for something. You don't take a third-round pick. You don't spend any third-round pick on a guy you think is just going to waste away on the bench. What exactly that becomes is really up to Hendon Hooker. He's not going to see the field in 23. I think 24, 25, you know, they're looking at developing, like, like the, the floor of that is they want him to be a skilled backup. They really haven't had that before. Quarterback injuries happen. They've happened more this year than we've ever seen. Um, Goff has been really healthy in general in Detroit, but you're always only one hit away. So I think, you know, Hooker was such a dual threat um, at Tennessee. I I think they want him to be the, the skilled backup um, that that the Lions have lacked for a long time. And if he develops into something more than that, then he gives you options going forward. And I think that's the long-term plan. I don't think they even know what Hooker's going to be. But when you have a quarterback like Goff who's going to get $45 million a year in his next deal, if Hooker is able to develop and they're able to not pay Goff, which, I mean, I, I think it's looking more and more likely they will, but how long that deal is, who knows. And just having options in a guy like Hooker kind of like a Jordan Love, it gives you the ability to move on when the timing is right. And um, whether he develops into that, how much he develops into is really up to Hendon Hooker in that process is is just now beginning. Yeah, and getting Hendon, an injured quarterback, in the third round was kind of like not there was not a lot of risk in that when you have Jared Goff and the things you say because the hardest thing to have and to find in the NFL is a starting level quarterback. They have one right now. They have one next season. They have one as long as they want one in Jared Goff. But like... Like you said, if Goff leaves, if 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 that contract isn't as long as maybe two or three years or something like that, then Hendon Hooker is like, you've got a guy in your system who's worked with you. It is kind of like a Jordan Love situation. He was on first round picks. So there's not that internal pressure to maybe get him in that job soon. But it, it, a high level backup and a potential replacement for Goff in two or three years, that's that's realistic. And I do think age matters. He turns 26 next month. Panay Sewell's going to have his second contract in the NFL before <laughs> before that age. So it definitely matters. And it definitely matters at that position. But it's, you know, if he it's not going to matter as much if he's not putting tread on the tires in those years. You know, I mean, the, yeah. the, the smarter, the more experienced a quarterback gets, the better he's going to be. And he's got a situation to do that here and kind of a pressure-free environment for him. It's a, it's a lottery ticket, yeah. you know, and um, 
again, they have, you know, baseline. I mean, T- Teddy Bridgewater is on a one-year contract, so I think they are looking at him to be the QB2 uh, in 2024, and then what he becomes beyond that is really just a matter of, you know, what, what he develops into. And I Listen, like, yeah, you are burning a third-round pick on a guy who might never play for you, um, <laughs> barring, you know, emergency, but quarterback is, you know, it's by far the most important position in this league. And it's also by far the most expensive position in this league. And I think giving yourself options when you have a chance to do that with a guy you believe in um, and the lines do with hooker in terms of skill set and in terms of makeup, um, it's a, a, the, the, pay, the potential payoff can totally transform a, a franchise if you, if you hit it big and, Again, we we have we've only seen the guy run through some individual right. drills, throw the ball into a net, which he's very good at, by the way. Yes, um, his footwork <laughs> is great. Um, but he, I mean, he just he's been practicing for like a week. This week, he's Jordan Love. He's not getting any of the reps right now as the QB two in, in practice. He's not running with the starters. He's not even running the Lions' game plan. He's running the opponent's game plan. So um, there's so much to be seen, but. Um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm intrigued. I told you earlier this week we were divvying up stories. I'm like, I'll, I'll take the hooker story, yeah. just because I'm really intrigued by the guy. I think he's got a high level of skill uh, and the potential to to really dramatic. You know, if it works out, to totally transform the ceiling of what this rebuild can be. No, absolutely. I mean, the biggest transition for him is just going to be adjusting to an NFL offense from that quick fire Tennessee. Mm-hmm you know, kind of quarterback style that they played there. But the kid's got an arm. I mean, he was the face of college football until that knee injury for a reason last year. I'm intrigued, too, because they clearly want to run the football under Dan Campbell, and that won't change no matter where Ben Johnson's yeah. going to paycheck next year, which I assume won't be Detroit, and that'll be a loss. Um, I think, you know, based on the kind of quarterbacks they've signed behind golf over the years, I, I think that Ben Johnson had some interest in more mobility at quarterback. But I also think about the general principle of we want to run the football. And if you have a guy, like like your quarterback has to be able to pass and hooker could pass uh, in college. Um, But if your guy can run as well, I mean, a la Patrick Mahomes and so on, I'm not comparing hooker to Mahomes, but just in terms of (laughs) it can unlock a different level of running game. Mm -hmm. And clearly the Lions want to be a run first team, a a team that can control the games on the the ground. And we see that particularly when they take big league, uh, big leads in these games and hooker would be another element to that. If he ever, you know, pans out golf's just not that kind of guy and golf is a really, really good quarterback. But if you can Mm -hmm. get that dual threat skill set, especially on a rookie contract, it just unlocks a whole different possibility for your team. Yeah. That's why it's easy to imagine Justin Herbert winning MVP with Ben Johnson as his coach next year. (laughs) <laughs> we just talked a little bit about the um, the future, Ben. Let's talk about the present. Um, Cam Jones asks, um, first time I've seen this question um, ever with ever. the Lions. I, I mean, I guess in 14, 2014, but Cam wants to know, stupid question, and my dumb guy math um, says not this week, but are we going to get some playoff clinching scenarios soon? Because we don't need more mock drafts yet. Uh, yeah, we're in playoff scenario season, Amazing. which I'm, uh, you know, new club member. <laughs> exactly. So basically, the Lions are up three games in the division right now. They have two games left against the team that's in second place. There's five games left to go. So bottom line, like there's too many like possibilities right now to outline. Here's exactly how they can do it. But the bottom line is three wins and you're in at this point. Yeah. They go three and two down the stretch. It doesn't matter the order that they come in or the teams they come against, they will win this division. Yeah. And I think the New York times has a more than 99% chance to make the playoffs. So like 
even if the bottom falls out, like they're still going to get into the playoffs at this point. But yeah, you want that division title and you said it right there, three out of five, no matter what anybody else does. And that division crown is yours for the first time since it was named the central. And you'll host a playoff game for the first time since 1993, 1993, 30 years ago. Yeah, we just talked about that with Eric Kramer on our interview (laughs) podcast last week. So if you haven't checked that out, check that one out for sure. I love the self-promotion, Ben. That was was natural. What's going on, everyone? Ben Raven with MLive's Detroit Lions Beat here. Just want to point in the direction of MLive's new Dungeon of Doom Insider Tech Service. Sign up now for a 14-day free trial. And then after that, it's only $4.99 a month to text with myself, to text with Kyle Monkey, and to text with Corey Woods. And not only are you going to get updates and analysis from us with some one-on-one individual conversations on the side, but you're going to be on the front line to be featured on MLive's Dungeon of Doom podcast when we come calling for mailbag questions. Once again, check out joinsubtext.com slash Dungeon of Doom. 14-day free trial, $4.99 after that. I'm really intrigued to see the seating, who they get. Um, I think with San Francisco and Philadelphia doing their thing, I think we're probably looking at a three or four seed from Detroit. That means you'd host a playoff game. You'd You'd likely host a team like Minnesota or Green Bay. Teams they've had a lot of success against. Exactly. And if they host Minnesota, that would be really interesting because it would be the third game against Minnesota in four weeks, which <laughs> I don't know what the precedent is for that, but it, it can't be much. Yeah, would Minnesota just stay in Detroit because they're the week, they're the season finale in Detroit too. That's, right. that's that's pretty wild to think about, yeah. And that would be a good draw. I think you want Josh Dobbs. Yeah. yeah, you know. I mean, even if – I mean, yeah, the Packers looked great on Thanksgiving, but you don't feel too bad about that matchup at home. Yeah. I mean, the Packers already beat Green Bay. The Packers already beat Detroit in their last game too. So, you know, I mean, it's not a shoe-in, but I like the Lions' chances against Green Bay. They played awful in that game, had a couple bad turnovers, that gave away points and so on. So Yeah, you could re- erase some generational demons with a playoff win over the Packers. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> Ryan Comic wants to know, it is obvious we are built to win games with our offense. So when we go into a lull for maybe a quarter or two, it's a lot harder to put teams away like we were doing at the beginning of the year. To me, when this happens, it's a perfect time to use the two most explosive guys on our offense, more in JMO and Gibbs, finding more creative ways to get them the ball in these situations, but only help the flow and also keep the struggling defense on the sidelines at the same time. Um, he goes on, it's a long question, but yeah, I get the gist and I agree with Ryan. I mean, this is a team that that wants to run the football and they do it well. And when they've had leads in the second half, they've relied heavily on the run. And even going into new Orleans, they ran at six of their first seven plays. I mean, that was scripted. They want to lean on Montgomery. They trust him a lot. They want to, you know, Gibbs, like no one wants to get hurt, but David Montgomery getting hurt for a couple of weeks with the, um, the rib injury. That allowed Jameer Gibbs to get on the field consistently and get the carries, the consistent carries that he hadn't had before. And he's been dramatically different since. I think that allowed him to adjust to the speed of the game. We've seen a totally different Jameer Gibbs since. And having those two guys, I mean, I think they're both like finding their stride right now. Yeah. Um, behind a, a really good offensive line. And, you know, it's a lead at full strength and still really good, even without Frank Ragnow, who looks like he's going to miss at least the Chicago game. Um I agree with Ryan. Like the key for the lines, like, like take a lead and then just pound them with the run. But when you get down by, you know, 20 points or whatever, three scores, which they've done a couple of times in recent games, 
uh, it takes that component of their offense away. And I know that's something they've bemoaned, um, you know, against the Packers, for example, where they had to get away from the run yeah. or especially the Bears game because they fell down big and then really had to rely heavily on the pass. And it just makes you one dimensional. And also it allows opposing pass rushes to tee off on you, which Green Bay did. And it yeah. led to some Jared Goff fumbles. It is impossible to watch Jamison Williams with the ball in his hands and not want more. I mean, he's an absolute – It's it, I've never seen anything like that speedy hit. He was 12 yards behind the line of scrimmage, and he beat like 30 other guys to the goal line still. I mean, so, yeah, I'm with you, and I've enjoyed what I've seen out of J-Mo. Arrow up for sure, more short looks, more rush attempts. Anything you can do to get that ball, the ball in his hands is good. And I'll just say this about Gibbs. He is so – far ahead of where I thought he would be as a running back. I expected him to add a spark to this passing attack. I was not sold on him as an NFL running back. I am sold on him as an NFL running back. He's got some power in his game. And that 38 or 39-yard run he had in New Orleans, I don't know how anyone caught him because he is a bottle rocket himself too. So anything you can do to get those two guys the ball, anything you can do to get Gibbs and Montgomery on the field at the same time is going to be very good for this offense. j and Gibbs are two of the fastest guys I've ever yeah. seen in Detroit. I wasn't here for Javid Best. Probably the closest thing was Darius Slay that, I, that I've seen. And j like, I think Gibbs – might actually be more explosive. I'm talking like the first three, four, five steps. Um, and he's so fast. I mean, his 40 time is nearly as fast as JMO. That wouldn't make so much out of JMO's 40, but Gibbs is right there. But when you hit the open field, no one runs like JMO. And we, we saw that on the reverse. I mean, he, he was gliding into the end zone, it launches himself. It was like nine yards that he, like he's running full speed and then just, it's not even like he gathered himself and then leapt. Like he is full speed and then just takes flight. And Goes nine yards He's through the air. Hurt himself <laughs> <doing that. laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, more demo, and I think it's I think it's coming too. I mean, listen, you know, Amon Ra has immense trust from Jared Goff. Sam Laporta has the same. I mean, it's not as perfected. There's not as much experience with Sam Laporta, but he has a similar kind of trust yeah. from Jared Goff, just with how well he runs his routes, the timing of the routes, the the, the steady hands he has. Like Those are going to be the top options in the passing attack. But having a guy like J-Mo, a guy who can take the top off, I and mean, we've, we've been talking about what he could be for so long, but we're, now we're starting to see on a weekly basis, particularly late in game spend, like yeah. he's making big plays. That, I mean, drops have always been an issue for him. I don't really remember too many drops the last few weeks. No. Clearly his route running is getting better. That's something the coaches have talked about as well. And uh, the playing time reflects that his playing time has been spiking for like five, six weeks now. Uh, he's playing a lot at the end of games. So they, they clearly trust him in those crunch situations. And Jared Goff is feeding him the football. Um, there's been a couple of these fourth quarter comebacks where he's the target on deep balls. Mm -hmm. He had the reverse in the fourth quarter when they were trying to put away New Orleans. Um, J-Mo's coming. He, he, I still don't think he has a game with more than two catches in his career not what you want from a 12th overall pick but when you're getting nine catches on nine targets from a guy like Laporta yeah. or you have Amon Ross St. Brown you don't need him to be um you know uh, that kind of high usage guy you just want him to be a big play guy and we're seeing it more and more yeah, I think, yeah, that contested catch he made last week while being yeah. pass interfered yeah. with, that was a moment where I was like, all right, it, it's clicking for him. The confident, he, He's a confident guy, but that confidence in his ability out there, that's coming. And, yeah, I, I don't focus on the value. Volume, kind of have to adjust on that. As long as he's making big plays like that, not making mistakes, and he's out there in the fourth quarter, feel good about him because it's heading in the right direction, and it's been positive for a strong month now. 
growth feel good about growth, growth. like yeah. the you know the, the the floor was low for him he he struck he, he caught up one of nine footballs last year and yeah not all the throws were great but you know what makes for a better throw it's knowing where the guy is going to be and that was a problem with jmo early on so it was a you know a mutual like kind of um influence on the lack of chemistry there and the injury the hamstring injuries in camp you know shortened his time on the field he he took a month away from the team for the suspension to open the year like there's a lot of reasons why he wasn't coming along and we accurately noted hey like he's not where you want him to be but you're seeing you're seeing development and that's what we need like we we said he's got amazing skills he just needs to develop he's developmental player which again you don't want that much wealth overall pick but he's coming and yeah. it's really, I, I am personally, I'm really encouraged what I've seen from JMO in terms of not just the production, but even the usage, it's clear that the trust is growing. And that's, I think the best sign of all. Yeah. When you're out there in the fourth quarter in close games, the, those targets are going to come because that trust is there. Let's let's flip to the defense. David wants to know, uh, is the defense performing as poorly as it seems? I thought we had some good looking young corners that haven't played. Uh, he mentioned Stephen Gilmore, Khalil Dorsey. Uh, except maybe on special teams. It just seems like our back end needs help. The back end needs help. The front end needs help. There's a lot of help that's needed. And David, no, I mean, yeah, it's as poor yeah. as it look as it seems. It's uh, I, I just looked at the numbers before um, uh, recording this. Um, they've allowed 27.7 points per game over the last three weeks, which is bottom five in the NFL. Yes. And it's 28.3 since the bye. Uh, it's it's not good. And like a previous questioner said, it's a lot of mediocre offenses too. The the Chicago Bears, I mean, you know, Justin Fields is dynamic, but that's not a dynamic offense. And I think they allowed what, 20, 26, know, 26? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And it was bad early on. And they fell behind by whatever it was, 17 points or what have you. Um against the Chicago Bears, you know, it it yeah, it's it's bad. The the the, the rush outside of Hutchinson hasn't been good. Um, Jerry Jacobs in the back end hasn't been good. There's been a lot of free receivers. I mean, Derek Carr on Sunday. Derek Derek Carr is not a top level quarterback. Derek Derek Carr was one of five to open the game in the first quarter, and after that, he was like sixteen of seventeen the rest of the way, and didn't throw an incomplete pass in the second half. I mean, he he was really having his way with that defense, and even when he left the game and Jameis Winston came in, like. Yeah, those that final drive stalled for them, um, but there were still free receivers. Ben, like I saw three his last three throws on that final drive. Like there's wide open receivers. He yeah. just he couldn't hit them. He, like like that, like that defensive stop was Jameis Winston. It wasn't what the Lions were doing, and even the turnovers they generated that game, which accounted for 14 points and the difference in the game, they were own goals by New Orleans yeah. with you know a ball just glancing off a receiver, uh, you know, on the first play of the game, and Derek Carr. Colliding the football with uh, his left guard. Um, good on the, I know Tracy Walker for jumping on it. That's what you want to see. Good on Brian Branch for one-handing the interception. That's a great play by Brian Branch. I'm not taking anything away from that. But to say that we've seen some measure of progress from the defense, I, I have not seen it despite the win. No, I have not either. And I mean, it's safe to wonder why Stephen Gilmore isn't getting a chance when the same stuff is happening in the secondary. And I know Khalil Dorsey was save for mostly on special teams, but the name that's come kind of been coming back to my mind in recent weeks is the surprise from training camp is Starling Thomas. It's just like you needed cornerback depth. I understand special teams depth, but this team is in such a tough spot right now with the secondary and it's getting tougher. Anzalone might be back this weekend, might not be this weekend. It might be another week and like McNeil going down like, yeah, it's as bad as it looks on defense right now. Hutchinson, 
is not getting home through the double teams. He's getting pressures, but it's like the help is not coming from anywhere else. So like you said, two own goals, great way to put it last week. I mean, the big moments have been gifts from above, it seems like in recent weeks. So just, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not great right now. You, there are some pieces you believe in, but it's like at the same time, it's like the same thing we've been saying. Reinforcements aren't coming. And that's 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 a big question mark on this group right now. Reinforcements are not coming today. Today, yes. Reinforcements <laughs> might be coming in a couple of weeks or should be coming in a couple of weeks or depending on who you talk to, are coming in a couple of weeks. Um, I caught up with James Houston this week. The you know, the, I mean, he had a, a f- I don't have to tell you guys, like his rookie season was phenomenal. Yeah. He opened, uh, he got cut coming out of training camp, spent most of the year on the practice squad, uh, is activated for Thanksgiving. And in the final seven games of the year, he had eight, eight sacks, which uh, guys, that's an NFL record for seven games. It was <laughs> remarkable stuff. He had more sacks as a rookie than any other rookie in the league besides Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. Um, caught up with James Houston this week, Ben. He said he's on schedule to return to the Lions to play games. That's his word, multiple games in the regular season before the start of the playoffs. We'll see. Sometimes players are a little overly optimistic, but it certainly sounds like we'll see James Houston again this year and very likely at some point in the regular season. And to that end, Joseph Martin asks, um, I love the piece on James Houston, and it's great to hear he'll likely get a few games in before the playoffs. You just hope that he has that explosiveness and Ben that made him so special last year. Um, I guess, Ben, what's your expectation for what James Houston could provide this defense? Yeah. I, I believe in James Houston's explosive, unique ability as a pass rusher. But he was active for the first couple of games this year and didn't get a lot of chances on the defense. So I do wonder where that's at. But like, obviously, at this point in the season, you've seen what the other edge defenders not named Hutchinson have done. You've seen what the other defensive linemen not named McNeil have done. And it's like, give that guy a chance if he's healthy and ready to go, because Houston, he's got something different. He's got something that guys don't have. I'm not saying he's an elite edge defender. I'm not saying he's one of those elite guys, but he has traits that make him a very tough to handle pass rusher and that is exactly what this defense needs they need someone on the other side of Hutchinson drawing anything resembling attention because right now it's not happening defenses are double teaming Hutchinson at the line they're committing running backs or fullbacks or tight ends in the backfield to chip him and nobody else is getting home nobody else is creating pressure so getting James Houston back if he's back if he's healthy I don't want to see him on special teams I want to see him on the other side of Aiden Hutchinson (laughs) I laugh because special teams is where he got hurt, if you remember. He, he broke his fibula. He, he told me that um, basically what happened was earlier in that game, I think it was on the first kickoff of the game, he laid a pretty big hit. This was week two against Seattle. Yeah, he, right. And uh, Houston had a big hit on uh, kickoff. And what he told me was that on a subsequent special teams play, he, his job was to set the edge. And so that's kind of where his eyes were. And this guy that he had hit previously in the game, he didn't say who the guy was, but he said that this guy basically sought him out for retribution and Man. whacked him. And uh, James Houston didn't see it coming. It fell kind of awkwardly. His foot stuck in the grass and it, it broke his uh, leg at the bottom. The, the fibula uh, needed like a plate, um, four screws, um, uh, it sounds painful. As someone who broke his leg, ankle, his fibula, and two other bones uh, in Green Bay a couple of seasons ago, um, I, James, I feel your pain. <laughs> it's amazing that he's going to be back on the field soon because I was laid up for like three months. Um, but um, the thing with James Houston is uh, they tried to really expand his portfolio, what he could handle uh, this past offseason. They were really trying to make him like more of a well-rounded 
linebacker. I, I saw some struggles uh, to that end. I didn't see that happening for him, but he does have a specialized skill set in terms of rushing the passer. He, uh, and the, uh, Joseph in the question is totally right. The the bend is crazy. He gets so low to the ground that it really gives some of these big offensive lineman fits and they didn't really have an answer for him. Now that there's film out there, maybe it's a little bit different. Or if he's lacking some explosiveness when he comes back, maybe it's a little bit different. But while James Houston isn't going to play 50 snaps as a linebacker, he is, he can, you know, what the point he made this week to me was totally true is that his skill set is game breaker. Yes. He's a key, he, he's a game changer. Like the Lions don't need another guy out there to play 50 snaps at a decent level at linebacker. They need a guy to go out there to make plays that they, they need to generate takeaways, to generate sacks. Mm-hmm. And that's what James Houston is. He, he has, um, his play last year spoke for itself and listen, we don't know how healthy he is. We don't know. He's still a young player. Maybe taking all this time off will, you know, slow him when he comes back. I, I don't know, but I do know that it can't be worse than what we've, what we've seen from Julian Aquara, from Josh Pascal. I'm afraid to say from Romeo Aquara, uh, who's flashed here and there, but nothing more than that. John Kaminsky. I mean, these guys have been uh, no shows in the, in the, in terms of affecting the quarterback and affecting the quarterback is James Houston's middle freaking name. And um, <laughs> yeah, I do think he could be a, a big difference. I do too. And you know, I look when they were trying him at linebacker, I just kept thinking like, there's nothing wrong with having a specialized player. Like I'd rather have an elite closer than an okay fifth starting pitcher. So I think that's kind of how people need to look at James Houston. There's nothing wrong if he's playing 20 snaps a game, only 20 snaps a game and getting five pressures yep. because like you need that. You What he has, this team needs. And on that note, what this team needs in terms of defensive line help and so on. Let's just wrap up real briefly here because we have to go run to a Ben Johnson press conference. But like several people asked about Indomitian Sioux. Uh, I'm looking at questions right now from Steve, Dillenbeck, and Warren Fullerton. I think there were others, but they want to know about Sioux being considered Indomitian Sioux. Obviously, the former Lions, great, I think we can say. Mm-hmm. Second overall pick. He is one of the best, most impactful players I've ever seen, certainly on the defensive side of the ball in Detroit, um, went on to have some good seasons in, uh, my, you know, with the Dolphins, the Rams, the Buccaneers, I think there's one, oh, the Eagles there went to go. the Super Bowl with the Eagles last year. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I look at his production, Ben, it wasn't great down the stretch last year in Philly, but he had three quarterback hits in the playoffs. And if I remember right, he knocked out a quarterback <laughs> along the way. Um, but he is, I think, 36 years old. And it's telling to me that they went with other 36-year-old defensive linemen than Indomitian Sioux. Uh, Dan Campbell was asked directly about um, the possibility of Indomitian Sioux, and he said that Brad Holmes considers everything. And I think that says everything we need to know, that Sioux is on their, their draft board or on their uh, their free agent board. Mm-hmm. They didn't somehow miss this Hall of Fame caliber player. I think they just deemed that the guys they brought in were better fits, more versatile, um, could bring more. And I don't know how much the distraction or the headlines that would happen if Sue came back to Detroit. I I have no idea if that factors into the calculus at all. Probably not, or just like 1%, if anything. But, you know, I think there is something to be said about that as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Dan was at directly about it, and he said, we feel like we landed on the best thing for our team right now. And it is worth noting, Dan Campbell's interim head coach in Miami when Ndamukong Soon was there. He knows the guy. He was clearly on their radar, and they clearly felt like they went in the right direction with Irvin and Tyson. 
I'm sad about it. I would have loved would've to have seen fun. He was <laughs> he was prickly as hell. He was he was a trip though. Like every day was a story. There was one time, man. Like I mean, there's so many stories about Dominican Sioux around this building. Uh, some of which I've heard that I cannot say on air. <laughs> Some pretty wild stuff, believe me. Um, but there was this one time I forget I forget what he was sour about. But we were walking down the hallway um, to go to the locker room, and he crosses. He like he came out of the indoor practice facility, saw us coming down the hallway from like not know. 30, 40 feet away, goes directly into a meeting room. I don't think it was his meeting room and slams the door. And I'm just like, and we hadn't even talked to him. I'm like, man, this guy is such a, he, he's just wired differently. Well, no, I would have enjoyed the in interaction or two yeah. with him. Yeah, you would have. He was, he was, he was interesting. I, and I wasn't always a locker room favorite. Uh, he had some interesting practice habits. We'll say that in terms of how, you know, just there's no, no, um, no chill to his game. And it, it rubs some people the wrong way, but phenomenal player yeah. and was still a, a, um, affecting games in Philly last year. I just think it says a lot that he's still without a team. And it says a hell of a lot that the Lions needed defensive line help. They signed defensive line help and it wasn't Sue. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. No, and he's the perfect age for him too, 36. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> I've never seen so many 36 year olds ever in my life. Uh, ben, good stuff. We'll both be in Chicago um, yeah. this weekend. Lions, Bears, Lions are 9-3. They're three games away from clinching the division. Five games to go. Uh, big game if, if you can win this one, and they should. You know, winning elements, that's always a variable you can't, you know, it's hard to account for. But they should win this game, and if they do, the, you know, the march is on to a division championship. Yeah, the doom and gloom will chill. <laughs>